You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back, guys. Land and Legacy Podcast. Um, man, we're going to give you some updates and really kind of talk about some of the properties we've got to visit here in the last uh, few weeks. It's been a fun few weeks of travel um, for us. We've been working in several different states. And, um, man, it's even hard for me, Matt. Uh, he's there somewhere. Uh, you probably I'm hear here. him rattling around. But it was hard. it's been kind of hard for me to keep up. When somebody asks me, what states you been in lately? I'm like, nah, I'm I can list a few, but I'm having a hard time remembering exactly what what states I've been in. I, I'm uh, not there for like terribly long, and then I'm on to a neighboring one or back home, and then I'll be home for a couple of days, and I'll dart back out somewhere. So racking them all up in the head, it's like, I don't really remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like thinking back to, um, you know, some really cool – Iowa, and then New York, and then um, northern Missouri, and then um, North Dakota. I sound like a little kid. And then, and then, and then yeah. North Dakota, and then Minnesota. And so, right. like a lot of a lot of time in the north. And if I'm being honest, I I, I really like deer management in the north. And you know. I- I got a fun story for you, Matt, that I don't know if I told you. I I might have told you, but uh, I was in Minnesota, and uh, as I'm I'm trucking it across North Dakota, and I hit in Minnesota, and I'm going along, and, you know, that one lake you drive by in Minnesota. Oh, wait, never mind. There's lakes everywhere. Land of 1,000 lakes or 10,000 lakes. I don't remember. There's lakes everywhere. And I stopped at one little fishing shack grocery store kind of deal, and, Lady said, is that all? And I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, oh, you're not from around here. 
you're from the South. And I went <laughs> and kind of looked at her, and I, I think I said, nope, born and raised right here. And she looks at me, like, real quick, like, what? Liar. And I went, no, I'm kidding. I'm. And she goes, where are you from? You sound like you're from Louisiana. I was like, huh? Like, kind of like, what? I'm not a Cajun. Um, I oh, guess they're not man. all Cajuns, but I was like, are you kidding me? Do you, I got, sound- you got the right direction, at least, but man, backtracking about halfway. And, and I said, I'm actually from Missouri. And she goes, I didn't realize they had accents in Missouri. And I'm just like oh, sitting here God. thinking in my head, it's once again, I have I'm a man with no place. And uh because I I say words that people around here call me uh like they're like you're from, you act like you're from the south. And I'm like this is the south. And then the people I go north and they're like you're from the south. I go south and they're like oh you're a Yankee, you're from Missouri. And it's like can I just can I just be part of somebody you're, somewhere? Nope. No one will accept you for who you are. No. That's right. It's like and now now here we are we're wildlife guys. But we also like cattle. Well, we don't, so we're not like most wildlife guys. Then we right. jump over on the cattle side, and it's like, oh, we're, we're we like cows. Oh, but you guys are wildlife guys. You 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 don't really like the cows. So it's like, ah, like fences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't like cows in the woods, so therefore you're not a true cattle guy. I'll, and so, I'll straddle a fence, and 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 I'll make it work. I've got my Whatever. feet in a lot of camps, and. And, uh, yeah. none of them want me, I guess. Um, but yeah, so Minnesota, it was good, man. It was good. Minus mosquitoes, awesome. you know, here in, here in the Ozarks, yeah. my wife would get eat, eaten up in our, uh, in our yard from mosquitoes and I won't, they won't touch me. I'll have them bite me and they just never do anything. Yeah. And then you go into the other side of it. I go up North and it's just like, they land on me and I have a big whelp. Like, I don't oh, know that, what kind of mosquitoes these are or what the difference is, but I've been scratching my fing- My knuckles are itchy oh. because I got bit. And the you worst know, that's one place that's just awful to get bit is, is your knuckles or your hands or like the, the space in between your fingers. Yep. Have you ever gotten bit there? Yeah. Oh, Tick bites. So like when I was a kid, having ticks yeah. bite me in between my fingers when you didn't do a good check. But I I found a new one for you. So uh, when I was up there, I was wearing a mesh back hat, and they were landing yeah. on my head and biting me through the mesh back, and I oh. didn't know it. And then the deer flies came out, and I could feel those biting me. So yeah. I had to wear my hat. I took my hat and moved it up like three quarters of an inch on my head. So I looked real real goofy. Um, with this hat, like just like setting on my hat, like a little breeze could have blown it off my head, but at least yeah. made enough of a gap that the stinking bugs couldn't bite me through it. And I want to be honest with you, that like once I figured out that trick, is like okay, that's I can live with this. Then I got home and I've been scratching. I think I'm getting a bald spot in the back of my head. I've been scratching mosquito <laughs> bites so bad. Uh, it's just like weirdest things. Like is that Drandoff? Nope, scratching mosquito bites. Just, just, just. Yeah, mosquitoes, they got me. Yeah. But, you know, I was up there in late May of last year, and I, I loved Minnesota. I think I was in three different three different farms in Minnesota then. Well. Each one. You, I hear Minneapolis has got a lot. It's got a, a lot of openings in the housing market. You might be able to find a good deal. You could move I've there. I've got a wonderful house. <laughs> I don't need that. Yeah. But it's 
it was fascinating. And I don't want to sound like, um, let's say, um, un, uneducated on that landscape or what, what comprises the landscape. But it's always cool to visit somewhere that you don't spend a lot of time in. Even when I go back home to where I grew up, I look at things at a different perspective because I have now new information to view with and observe with. And yeah. so even what I see from where I grew up, I see it so differently now. And so going to a place that I haven't spent, let's say, you know, 20 years living, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. But at the same time, there's so many wonderful elements that the North has for game management that it makes it incredibly awesome to develop killer plans for clients up there because of what they have at their disposal to work with. Yeah. I think that's fun in the Midwest and South. And this is probably why, you know, last year when you were in that part of Minnesota and you said how much you loved it and then seeing part of that where I was at, uh, we yeah. didn't really go to the same area. Um, but, uh, cause I was up closer to Duluth and you were more on the central and west side. Um, yeah. but what I noticed about it was, one of the resources or plant communities that is so limited in much of our travels being very abundant in that be in the form of shrubs, mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. like lots of shrubs. And I think that's where you can quickly fall in love when you see a place that has, uh, that has an abundance of what you've been trying to get promoted through much of the country. Um, and I think that's really what catches your eye, or at least mine and yours in, in Minnesota, uh, was the abundance of shrubs in the in the plant or in the natural areas that aren't being disturbed. Right. And I say that because I do have a very bad taste in my mouth right now for my trip, given the mm -hmm. fact that when you drive up from Springfield, Missouri, we'll just say, as the starting point and you drive northwest Kansas City and then we went straight up we're basically Iowa Nebraska uh Missouri South Dakota North Dakota line it's just I, i'm not kidding you i would just say one guess of over when we're looking at open acres over 75% of those open acres being a monoculture crop yeah. To the point where it was like almost disgusted. Where are we expecting our wildlife to make a living yeah. when 75% or more of the open ground is a non-native monoculture that's heavily sprayed? Or and, and I get it. I'm an ag major, so I, I appreciate ag, the agricultural world, and the amount of uh, farmers that are providing food across the globe. But a little part of me goes, there's got to be a way to make this a little bit better for the wildlife. Um, because well, and, and not, it was not just the wildlife whew. in that, in that manner, when it comes, um, we're talking about 
large scale agriculture. It, it's about water infiltration. It's about erosion, both wind and air quality. Water. It's yep. about yeah, air quality, water. It's just the never ending cycle uh, when it comes to that. But yeah, so much of that stretch driving it is right up and along the Missouri River uh, for long ways, and it just is irrigated it is drainage ditches tile so much dirt has been yeah, yeah moved around and it's 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 wild to look at and see um but right there adjacent to um in an area that i visited in um where burr oaks bluff is 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 the the last hills and it's yeah. like beautiful whoa, beautiful amazing and it's just like you have some some areas of, of rich diversity uh, undisturbed from a soil aspect adjacent to that yeah and, and and it's like how how do you you know split divide and, and manage with all those so totally it's very interesting um i found myself to be honest with you i'll give a little bit of a what's the what's the um Oh man, major brain for it. It's late. Um, but confession, a little bit of a okay. confession that I found myself going in that. And you know, our job, when I look at land, I'm like, how do I restore it? That's our job. Restore the land to being productive for our clients. And I looked at all that and I'm like, Jesus, come back already. <laughs> <laughs> because this is a fight I'm not sure we're going to win. That that's a tough one. Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah. But yeah, when it when it comes to what you saw up there, I know there's some great points to be made um, from from the wildlife side of things. So we talked about shrubs, but there's also in some of these areas more in north. I, I think of Minnesota and I think of Wisconsin. I think of New York, I think of Pennsylvania, parts of Ohio, parts of Indiana as well, um, and parts of Michigan, that there's some wonderful opportunities to have quality wildlife habitat, but still, when implementing the right practices, have timber growth. Absolutely. I think, and, and, and strategic harvest over the course of years to accomplish income on properties as well and and not in the south has that too but not every single place does i think to me the north and this is no burn on the south because and we look kind of break it up into thirds you've got them you've got the central united states you've got the southern united states and you've got the northern states and it's all kind of climate driven and and plant uh community specific and so when you look at the north and i'll say north is somewhere from i think the latitude of somewhere central missouri all the way across central indiana and illinois and northern uh or i guess central ohio and you might even be able to go all the way down into kentucky and say that kind of northern no we'll not go into kentucky we'll say that's midwest so central Illinois, Central Ohio, and Indiana over in Catch, uh, New York, obviously, Pennsylvania, 
and Maryland, Delaware, that kind of all north where it's like your your biggest stress period is late, late winter, early spring, and we're kind of really looking at snow on the ground. Could be, you know, five months out of the year, six months. <laughs> if you go from October, November, December, January, February, March, uh, April, that's, that's seven months out of the year you could have snow. Um, and, you know, that part of the world – there are some hunting shows and that's where some destination hunts, but it's more of the Midwest than that Kentucky, Tennessee kind of now, because you have both stress periods. You've got late summer, some years you got late winter, other years. Um, and, and I'm going to just going to say it, but management in the North is much easier than management in the South, in my opinion, because of different stress periods, plant communities, and ultimately the disturbance you can use um, that really kind of play in. And so when we go north, I really enjoy it. I And I, I enjoy going yeah. south, but if it's middle of summer, I d- really don't. Uh, <laughs> and, but if it, if it's management in the north, like, ooh, it's going to be hot. <laughs> it's going to be very hot. And the hot, hot, hot. ticks and chiggers are going to be bad. The snakes will be out. <sighs> yeah, let's, yeah. let's do those in the wintertime. And so for me, I enjoy the North and, and I, I, sometimes I think people, you know, I don't fit into the North. I don't sound like a Northerner and I'm from Missouri. So what do I know about deer in the North? And I can say that it's so much easier in the North for us than it is in the South when it comes to instant results, all the variables come into play. And it's like, we can, we make some killer properties when we go North. I mean, we've got Pennsylvania, some amazing ones. New York's going to have some amazing ones. Uh, or already does, I guess. Michigan. Michigan has some really ones. good ones. Uh, Wisconsin's got a couple good Iowa. ones. And then yeah. m- now uh, now Minnesota. Um, you, you worked with Josh up there, and his place mm-hmm. seems to be coming along really, really well. And then, yep. you know, this place in North Dakota that I just worked, where most of it, 90% of this farm is crop. But because of the landscape that he's in, he's going to be like the stickiest farm around where deer just stay on him. And so I'm like, you know, management in the north is fun. Um, but I think it has opportunity that the south doesn't, and I'm going to explain why. But I feel like the north has a lot of double-edged swords where, or have your cake and eat it too kind of scenarios where you can kill two birds with one stone. I did three of them, Matt, in, in just mm-hmm. two sentences. But, um, yeah, have your cake and eat it too, two birds with one stone and double-edged swords. We got it all. They got a lot of phrases working to 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 the advantage. That's right. And I think one of the big things that I like about the North is the ability to. Now we know that the the stress period of time is late winter, early early spring, and so woody browse being one of the biggest natural food sources. And it's like we can have some amazing timber um, harvesting and and not only make money but put more food on the ground and cover. And I think the thing about the northern climate, it seems like the trees that grow fast are also the ones that are sought after a lot with with local foresters. And and that coming to the form of aspen being number one for me. Yeah. It seems like you go north and you get way up there, you're going to run into aspen trees. And it's like... Oh, these aren't weed because we can harvest them and make money. And so, and then they grow back fast and there's a colony of them. 
And it's like, yeah, well, they're going to grow back much faster than the oaks, and we're going to be able to cut timber and cut timber and cut timber. Oh, by the way, because of strategic placing, we can do little micro clear cuts and have really good bedding areas, really good winter forage grounds or browse areas, and still make money. It's just like, holy cow. It's hard in the south because for what the north has in an aspen, the south has in a sweet gum without the timber value. <laughs> Correct. It's just Correct. like no. you, you take those two trees and they're kind of the two, but one makes money and the other one's just a royal pain. Yes, yes. It, when it comes to usability of, let's just say, um, less than ideal timber from a saw log standpoint, you got more ability, I think, to work with in the north than you do in the south. I say that currently timber can change, but many of the properties been visiting further south have had the issues of not being able to have a soft softwood pulp market close by or the market's just been such that they're just not cutting them. Um, It's just so low right now that you can't get uh, crews there. It's not paying for uh, it's its own its own weight and shipping like it's just not working very well in the south right now but up north that that doesn't seem to be happening and in the south what was once cotton fields or tobacco fields have been converted back to timber because of the long growth periods wasn't put back in hardwoods right and it got put back in monoculture pines which aren't dropping a hard mass they're not woody brows they're not great woody brows if any um, rare occasions you see browse on them, but it's not extremely sought after. And so you're like, yeah, this is, you know, and woody browse of an aspen's phenomenal. Um, and you know, they grow pretty thick, usually in the early stage. So high stem count, some decent cover, and it's not just one species that utilizes them. And so there's a lot of things about the aspen tree that's just like, whoa. This is really good. But then when you look at the southern type variety, you're like, this sucks. I think of I think of um, the other things that make up forests up north compared to down south. I guess I, let's not I'm not going to include the south because I don't want to brag on the south. But oh. but let's just talk about the north. The other trees, there still is a very nice hardwood component in many of those. But in addition there's still elms and heavy on maples in some portions. Yeah. And then as an understory or a, or a mid story, they have typically well-developed shrub communities. And, and then the fragmentation of um, swamps and lakes means that there's a lot of sunlight getting to edges of transitions and and uh, have more heavily timbered or crop areas or prairies and you you just have this um what seems like continual mixing yeah. of different habitat types coming together but the composition of of said species in the timber up north really can be conducive and i didn't even mention some of the beneficial conifer species um up there from not only some of the forage but some of their conical shape that's very usable where again pine plantation down south vast areas 
doesn't have much of either of those situations. So yeah, uh, and don't don't let so this wonderful. be a ragging on the South because in the middle of the winter we'll be like, oh, the North. I don't want any part of it. I want to go South. Yeah, um, well, the, well, the clover's still green. But what I see too is like you go South, and this is even occurring in the Midwest, but. When the logging operation is happening in the south, then we have to deal with stilt grass. And because right. the growing season is so long, it's like we open up the canopy. Now what does things now what plants get to grow for eleven months out of the year? Oh, it's an invasive. Great. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the big you know, in the north, the place of Minnesota, I saw I can't even I saw a few species of invasives, but not many. And, and, you, and you go down south, and I'm like, I hope the list is under ten. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say what I I encountered up north the most is is um, buckthorn, mm-hmm. and I've seen a lot of reed canary um, or phragmites because of the amount of water that's around. Yep. But I didn't run into any of that. Good. Reed canary is a problem, and I did find that. That was on both properties, but that's the main one, and it's kind of one of those where it's like, you know, there's worse invasives to deal with. I thought you had seen some buckthorn. On, I did in on, North Dakota. North Dakota, right. Yeah, but not in Minnesota. Um, so, it, and, and the other aspect of, of all of this is you look at the states mentioned earlier, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, Per capita, there is an immense amount of hunters in those areas. Yeah. And so with the ability of having timber and the, you know, let's just say occasional crop field in, in areas are sporadic throughout there. Or some of them are very heavily cropped in, in those states. Regardless, you have in the north this wonderful um, equation working for the landowner and for the landowner who wants to manipulate the habitat in the ways that we talk about each week for wildlife benefit. There's so many advantages and opportunities in those states that we just don't see being taken advantage of in, in, let's say, a very intense, purposeful, intentional way. Yep. Yeah, I think it's over. I just think it's overlooked. I should say. I should just simplify it to say those states are overlooked and what can be done. Totally, and I, I'm looking forward to hearing updates from the guys from Minnesota because I know you know it's multiple guys that are owners of this piece, so plenty of manpower mm-hmm. to implement the plan. And Wonderful. so I'm going to be sending them um, some bedding thickets they can get started on while I'm working on the report. And I totally yep. envision that by year two, they're going to be done with all the cuts. They're talking wow. about having a big timber operation come in and start cutting out some of these big aspen. Um, they sure. have some really nice stands of bur oaks and red oaks um, that I think with some releasing, crop tree release of those, they're going to have even more hard mass being produced. Mm-hmm. Um, and then temporary forest openings put in place by the logger, like I mean, I this is a great case to have your cake and eat it too. Like timber operation, yeah. check, make money. Oh, we improved the habitat, and we didn't have to do it. That's yep. a huge part, and and so you know, management in the north. Maybe we're gonna see people packing their bags from Iowa and going. You know, Minnesota is the new Iowa. Ha! There's there's um, 
know, when you cross those state lines and everything, certainly some things change, but but not a lot down south in, in Minnesota. There's there's so many elements that are very similar, um, yeah. but there's just again there's just so much to work with up there in those states that um, man the the more we can get up there, the more we're certainly going to welcome it because there's some amazing plant communities to be managed there and the fashions that we're talking about with prescribed fire. And I think, you know, the state of Wisconsin too, and all the different eco regions that it has is also just that much more intriguing and, and part of the puzzle. I think that, that maybe inhibits people of, what should I do? I know I'm in the Southwest portion, but so different from 60 miles North of me or, or, or a hundred yeah. miles East of me. Yeah. Don't be, don't be tentative. There's, there's ways to go about it. Yeah. We'd love to help. For sure. Well, had more to say, but it's certainly coming up on, on the end of a podcast and, and I was getting late and we, uh, we appreciate you guys. Each and every week, listening to both podcasts, man, I think you're really going to enjoy podcast. The other podcast we did this week, um, some things that are kind of coming coming for us. I think we've got fall food plots coming rather quickly. I mean, here we are, middle Seriously. of July. Um, yep. I th- we're talking about spraying this weekend, and probably going to try to plant some of our brassica blends um, here very soon, um, and try to get ahead of the curve and and uh, be off to the races for this fall. So, guys, we appreciate it, and we'll catch you next week. Yeah, we'll see you guys.